You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, it is the second time in three weeks you've had a chance to talk to Dan Campbell after a victory. This time, it was a no-doubter. The Lions handled the Arizona Cardinals. Were you shocked to see the game and watch how it uh, how it unfolded? Uh, do you want me to lie to you and tell you I wasn't shocked? I think, that every, I think the whole world was we shocked, were, yeah. including Dan Campbell and including uh, probably the players. Maybe not with winning. I mean, I know as a player, when you uh, prepare throughout the week, uh, you think that you find a, you know your opponent's weaknesses and some things you can exploit. You expect, uh, hey, let's go play good football and win. I don't think anybody, even in that building, expected them to win by three scores. Right? That yeah. was just a uh, that was an ass kicking and. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was good to see a glimpse of what this team can be moving forward, right? And I don't think that this is going to be how they're going to finish the season, right? I, I think that was uh, one of those games where everything just came together and you played um, really good team football for all four quarters. But when you talk about, you know, Coach Campbell and all the coaches and, and some of the young guys improving and getting better, um, that was a heck of a glimpse into seeing – uh, what what they can be, and I, I thought it was very encouraging. I think uh, obviously the, a lot of the talk was this week. Well, you know, save the draft position. Well, nobody cares in that building, right? Coaches right. don't care, players don't care. Uh, those guys prepare to win every single week, and uh, it was good to see it get it done, man. The first time we saw four quarters of good complimentary football. And it paid off against a really good football team. Yeah, and you mentioned draft position. There's nobody in that locker room, in those meetings on the field, that is going to sit there and say, yeah, you tell you what, let's tank or not play well so that you can possibly draft my replacement <laughs> right. and, and, and draft the best possible replacement for me You know that, that you can find. Yeah, or a lot of guys maybe heading to the free agency. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys improve your team. I'm not even going to be here, right? <laughs> right. Like, yes. nobody, nobody cares. I remember my, in my 10 years, you know, even when you get to the draft, you don't care who you draft because you still know these whether you're first overall pick or uh, the 180th pick you you still got to come and improve yourself so uh, players don't care but man I tell you what it was uh, it was good to see the Lions win that type of game where obviously look 
we're not going to lie to you. I mean, Cardinals came out flat. They came out looking like they just expected to run a couple plays, get back on the bus, go yeah. home with a win. You know, I don't think they really respected the Lions, no matter, no matter how much they said they did uh, post game. They obviously didn't. They didn't come ready to play. But um, the Lions have had a couple of those games like that this year. I mean, the Chicago game, uh, you know, it seemed like Chicago didn't really want to <laughs> come yeah. in and play hard. And, and they let that one go. They let, they let it slip away. A couple other games, Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore first Minnesota where you had chances to uh, put away a team that uh, was just having a bad day you didn't get to do that you finally got over that hump and did it I mean you look at back of that Chicago game John was funny uh, nobody wanted to win that game it seemed like right I mean <laughs> from starting from the coin toss uh, the Lions win the coin toss defer and then you know they asked Chicago what would you guys like the ball and they were like no we want to defer too <laughs> and it's yeah. like, nobody wants the football all right let's go but um, you know it was good to see a team coming in and not playing their best football, and you take advantage of that. That's what good teams in the NFL do. So the question then is, was this more of an Arizona loss or a Lions win? I, and, and it can be both. Yeah, it can be both. And I, I don't think you take anything away from what the Lions did. I mean, that was a thorough ass-kicking. And in no point during that game did it feel like same old Lions, here we go, they're going to blow it. Oh, they got an 18-point lead, 21-point lead, um, you know, but here goes the momentum. I mean, there was maybe one moment where Iguabuque fumbled and you got that, ah, oh, no, here we go, that's just what the Cardinals needed. Mm-hmm. And then two plays later you get the ball back and you go down and score. And it just felt like that game was never uh, – threatened to get away from you. And so you can't take that away from the Lions, but you can also preface that by saying, you know, Kyler Murray looked terrible. I mean, he missed a lot of open wide receivers. Uh, You know, their defense did not look good. I mean, this was a top five defense coming in uh, to that game, uh, especially with what they were limiting teams in the passing game and pass rush and 20 sacks between their two defensive ends. And and really, they only had the one, which is on the opening play of the game where Jared Goff, that was a coverage sack, right? So the offensive line dominated that game. But you you can say it was both. But look, you can't take anything away from from what Detroit did. I mean, that was just a – they were ready to go from the opening kickoff, and they kept it going for all four quarters. The first time we've seen it all year. I know it as a player, you look at it and you say, well, damn, only if we could have done that, you know, earlier in the year, maybe we'd be sitting, you know, 500 team, maybe whatever, yeah. you know, but um, it yeah, was – Yeah, but then they wouldn't have a shot at the first right, overall then you, pick. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather have a winning football team. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you, you never want the first overall pick, but, yeah, yeah I thought uh, – Look, you can't take anything away from what what Coach Campbell and those players did, man. That was uh, that was an incredible moment for him. So let's take a look at a few of the bright spots or brightest spots in this game, and and some things that you know the Lions fans might be able to hang their hat on moving forward. Has the Lions and this defense found a way to get the most out of Charles Harris? A hundred percent. I mean, he was a first over, or not first. He was a first round pick right. in 2017 by the Miami Dolphins. Things didn't work out there for whatever reason. There's a lot of things, a lot of reasons why things don't work out for a certain player with a certain team or franchise. Have they been able to resurrect his career, and will he be part of this team moving forward? I, a, a a player that can make plays moving forward. Yeah, and I think uh, look, he had I think six and a half career sacks. Um, coming into the season, and this season alone, he's got seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he started off really hot. I remember, I think he had a sack in each of the first four games, 
and was playing really good football. Then he kind of hit a lull a little bit and then came back a, a couple weeks ago in Minnesota, had the two sacks. Um, and then this past game, the one and a half, which should have been two and a half. I don't know. They they yeah. considered when they snapped it early and Kyler picked it up, they considered that just a, a run in yeah. a TFL. But um, you could have easily counted that as another sack. And he's been a, uh, you know what, he's been a, a game changer in their wins, right? I, I think the one question still is, uh, you know, where was he against Denver? Where was he against, right. uh, you know, Cleveland? Where was you right? So, so you have, you still have some consistency questions. Um, but you, you've seen a, you've seen a still a young player. Uh, you, you see the potential, right? You see the reasons why he was considered a, a, a good pass rusher coming out of college and, and was the first round pick. You see that they have been able to tap into that a little bit more. And mm-hmm. he seems like, uh, just talking to him and, and listening to him talk. I mean, he just seems like a Dan Campbell guy. He seems like he, he loves it here. He wants to be here. Uh, it seems like a good signing. And, and look, I think uh, I, I, one thing I'd like to see from him the last three games is consistency, right? And he, he signed the one-year deal. Um, whether it's proven that you want to stay here in Detroit or trying to get a big payday somewhere else. I mean, yep. teams are taking notice of, uh, of the way he's playing. And look, when you have 12 tackles as a defensive end, I mean, that's like a fullback having 150 rushing yards. You know, it just doesn't happen. I mean, usually the linebackers are the ones leading your team. I mean, 12 tackles as a defensive end is game changing ability. And he's been a guy that's been a bright spot, especially during their cut, during their two wins. Now, I think the coaches will probably, and even Charles will probably tell you, you know, you, you got to do it every game. You got to show up every game and be consistent with it. And he can be uh, maybe a guy that, that can turn into a, Heck of a, uh, you know, third down specialist, pass rushing yep. type guys. Uh, offensively, uh, Craig Reynolds. I don't think there's anybody that's going to say when DeAndre Swift or Jamal Williams are healthy that they're going to hand the ball to Craig Reynolds before those guys. But has he done enough in your mind's eye to say he could be a part of the depth of this backfield moving forward? Yeah, well, it's hard to ignore his production, yeah. right? You, you don't just wake up, uh, you know, and, and go play an NFL game and rush for over 100 yards. Uh, <laughs> and even last week, you know, averaging six, seven yards of carry against Denver. You don't you do not do that unless you're a, uh, an NFL player. And I, I think that he has proven his worth. Um, the, the big question, though, is, We've seen every running back so far have success, right? DeAndre mm-hmm. Swift, Jamal Williams, even when uh, Jamar Jefferson uh, got a lot of playing time in the Pittsburgh game, you know, had a couple long runs. And, and Iguabuque, yeah. you know, at one point had two carries for 56 yards. and just a to hold on right. to the damn ball. Right. And that's, you know, that's the thing with Godwin is he's been, he's been a trustworthy player up until the last couple of weeks, the ball yeah. security starts to show a little bit, and that's you know that's all it takes when you're a running back. You can be a good player, but if you can't hang on to the ball, you're not gonna you're not gonna play. But no. with here's the question I have though: with all those guys having success and not really missing a beat, no matter who's back there, is that more a testament to that room and the talent that they have in that running back room and the coaching that they have in that room, or is it a testament to having a really good offensive line saying? Well, we got a good old line. We can put anybody back there and go run the ball um, because that's that's different, right? If you're if you're running the ball, uh, you know, when you're going five six yards before you're even getting touched, look, anybody can do that, right? But I think the thing, uh, the encouraging part about Craig Reynolds' game is that he seems to make a lot of plays when the plays aren't there. Meaning, you know, there's always going to be one unblocked guy in the box, whether it's a backside linebacker, whether it's a safety. 
that's up to you as a running back to make those guys miss. And he's been doing a nice job of of, of making those guys miss and getting those uh, big big plays down the field. So that would tell me it's not just the offensive line. This kid is a, he's he's a good running back. He's waited his turn. He's been on practice squads before, uh, even all all season this year. Uh, you know, practice squad not getting a chance. You get this chance, you take a advantage of your opportunity. I think, look, whether it's uh, here in Detroit being a depth guy or, look, there's 31 other teams that are also watching this film, taking notice of that too. I, I think he has definitely earned a job in the NFL. And <clears throat> another Reynolds, Josh Reynolds, has brought another element to this offense. Now, he wasn't the leading receiver. That was a Monroe St. Brown, but – if you've only got one guy, as we've seen before Reynolds was was on the scene, Amon Ra can't do it alone. I don't think Amon Ra is a number one receiver. But all of a sudden you add you know, uh, Josh Reynolds to the mix, Amon Ra starts to play better, TJ Hawkins is out. Does that in and of itself help the run game as well, knowing that you've got to be able to cover some of those guys, maybe take a guy out of the box. Yeah, 100%. And Josh Reynolds, I think, uh, man, I'm trying to remember his first game. Was it Cleveland? Where I think it was Cleveland where he had a drop pass and then the deep ball, he kind of failed to make a play. It was interception. And everybody's like, oh, no, man, we thought we had to go. And since then, he's picked it up, man. He's been been, probably not a stud, but uh, he's been a big part of this offense. And uh, the touchdown catch that he had, against Arizona was that was a that was a big time touchdown catch yep. I mean a guy hanging all over your back and and to be able to secure that all the way through the ground um, that was huge he, he's definitely a different type receiver uh, than you look at Amon or, or, or um, Amon Ra or even Khalif Raymond I mean those guys are probably more slot guys um, but Josh Reynolds got the height I mean he can be a deep threat type guy uh, I think he's been a uh, he, he's been the pickup that they needed um, just to help that passing game that was struggling so much, you know, even the first 10, 11 games, whatever it was, uh, he's, he's been a big reason for that turnaround. And obviously, Jer- I know Jared Goff and, and Josh have played before together out in L.A. Yeah. Um, they have some chemistry. I think that's fairly obvious to see on the field. And, you know, I posed the question yesterday was you go into this game, you 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 don't have TJ Hawkinson, you don't have DeAndre Swift. I mean, those are Jared Goff's two top targets, two favorite guys to throw to his his uh, emergency uh guys. Um did th- th- the fact that he didn't have any of those guys available force him to uh you know Go through his go progressions, through his progressions more. and go through a development a little bit faster of saying, okay, I don't have this security blanket in Hawk that I can just check down to. It forced him, in my mind, to uh, go through your progressions, take shots downfield, right? Because you don't have those two guys you can just dump the ball off to. I'm not saying they're a better team without those two guys. I'm just saying it could have helped his development to say, all right, I don't need to always go to Hawk. I don't always need to go to Swift. I can give these other guys, I can give Amon Ra, I can give Josh Reynolds chances to make plays downfield. And that eventually is going to open up things underneath for Hawk and Swift. So I think that was probably pretty valuable to have that type of success without your two top, uh, your top two players, just knowing that you don't always have to lean on them, especially in the big moments in the third downs in the red zone. Uh, you don't always have to just target those two guys. You got some other guys that you can get involved in that offense. I thought that was pretty important to Jared Goff's success. And I know 
Was this Jared Goff's best game? I think it was. And, and you you look at his stats, and it's not like, whoa, wow, wow. He didn't throw for 400 yards. But uh, 21 to 26, 216, three touchdowns, didn't make any mistakes. Uh, you know, didn't didn't have that one throw that you're just like, what the hell is he doing? Uh, I thought it was his best game definitely in Detroit. And look, this is another guy we're talking about. I know we're talking about young guys that you can maybe uh, keep around and build, uh, you know, build off in the future. Jared Goff might be a guy that the coaches are like, well, man, you see him improving. If we just get him a couple more weapons, you know, we bring in another receiver. We bring in, uh, you know, another whatever tight end. We bring in a guy. You Not never know, man. a lot man. of people want to hear what you're saying. I, I know that, but I'm just telling you. I mean, Jared Goff, if he continues to play these last three games, like the way he played Minnesota and the way he played against Arizona – I'm just telling you, he could be a guy that the coaches think they can build off of uh, as well as a lot of those young guys that are getting more playing time. Uh, now, TJ, we, you mentioned this was the best game that Jared Goff had and that he could possibly be a little better than most of the fans right now have after 14 games are thinking that he is with more weapons, with with a better, you know, more production on defense, more opportunity on offense, better field position, all of those different things play into a quarterback's success or failure. Now they've got to create some of their own. When you look at the next three games, they've got two road trips, and then they finish with Green Bay at home. What do you want to see out of Jared Goff in the final three weeks? I want to see consistency, right? And I, I think, uh, look, the last uh, two home games, he's been playing really well. Can you do it on the road, right? Can you go to Atlanta and can you have the same success uh, that you did against Arizona, right? Atlanta probably isn't uh, a better team. You know, they're not a better team than than you just faced in Arizona. But can you have that same type of consistency uh, where you're making plays downfield? You're not making the mistakes. You're keeping your offense uh, in manageable, uh, you know, down in distances. Can you not take... Uh, you know the the silly sack right on first down, and now you're looking at second and twenty. Can can you can you keep improving? And I think that's something uh, for Jared Goff. That look, I mean, he he's been through the ringer this year, man. I mean, he didn't ask to come to Detroit. You know, he kind of got forced over here and and uh, came with a good attitude and probably knew uh, what an uphill battle he was going to have. Um, but you know, look, I, I think the way that he played last week is what people probably expected. When he got here, right? And when you're evaluating players, you're not just looking at the last three or four games. You're looking at the whole season. Uh, you're looking at the tot- totality of, of the season's work. And right to this point, you'd say, overall, has Jared Goff been a disappointment? Probably. But you also have to understand, yeah, you know, what he's been working with. with and, and you also have to think, well, you know, even if we had freaking Patrick Mahomes here, would he win 12, <laughs> 11 games of this roster? Or Probably not. Teddy Bridgewater? <laughs> right, yeah, How mean, many times are we going to hear that scenario? I know, and it's just, uh, you have to understand that, look, I, I will say, I thought Jared Goff had a moment in that game last week that Lions fans, especially the ones in the stadium, uh, kind of endeared himself to them a little bit. And there have been games where you know, fans have booed him where he's been introduced out of the tunnel. Fans have booed him after an interception or, uh, you know, throwing yep. the ball out of bounds on a fourth down. <laughs> he had a moment in that game where he took a late hit. Uh, the one we got rolled Phillips, up on. And he got rolled up on, and yep. he was in pain. And he laid down on that field, and he was in pain. And he came off to the sideline. He kind of jogged around. They ran one play, and he came back in the game. And, I mean, the, the applause in the stadium was loud. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was – 
like, yes, we got a tough SOB. Uh, you know, I think that was something that really endeared a lot of fans to Matthew Stafford was the toughness that he played with. I thought that moment for Jared Goff was similar, but meaning they, they know they got a quarterback that's not going to, he's not looking for an excuse to get out of the game. This is a tough dude. He, he wants to, he, he's going out there and playing for his guys. He's playing for this city. I thought that was a moment that could have turned a lot of opinions on Jared Goff. And obviously the way that he plays and uh, played in that game and, and, and uh, just looked like a big time quarterback. And look, I think, you know, that, that was what we expected. We, we knew Jared Goff wasn't going to be the type of guy you want to drop back 50 times a game and, you know, let him sling it all over the place. You got to get the run game going. You got to build a play action off of that. That was where he had his most success uh, playing with McVay and, and with the Rams. And, and that was probably the closest this season that we've seen what where what his strengths are right and he didn't you know he he played a damn good football game and he played very similar to how he did against Minnesota where he was NFC player of the week yeah right if you can tap that Jared Goff every single week and get that type of consistency why can't he be the guy that you keep here why can't he be the guy that you can build off of he's only 26 years old he's not an old quarterback right right why can't he be the guy that you go get a couple more pieces and 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 uh you know play that type of football right the NFL it's funny how you go in these circles right you know, 10, 12 years ago, it was a running league, right? And a running D de- and all these defenses, yep. you got 260 pound linebackers and it's just, you know, black and blue football, man, running for three yards, throw a couple plays. Then it kind of switched to Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, all these guys just throwing for 400, 500 yards, you know, 5,000 passing yards. And now it's kind of back to running the football, right? Yep. You look at some of the best teams and it's, they're running the football. And that's something that you build a play action off of. Jared Goff can be that type of quarterback that you can have success with. It's well, just, it just comes down to the consistency. Can you do it week in, week out? And, and I, I like that you mentioned that, that play that he got up limping. You could tell that he wasn't, you know, that something wasn't right. Um, there was another guy too, and I don't know if you saw this on the sideline, but I, I kind of cringed a little bit because Craig Reynolds came off the field one time and he was limping. Um, and I thought, oh my goodness, you like, you know, we've seen it when, you know, Jamar, right? He, he gets things going, then all of a sudden there's an injury, right? You know, and, and DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, right? They get things going, there's an injury, and then I thought it, it couldn't possibly be that Craig Reynolds is in that same category, but he came back out and kept playing like there was nothing wrong. And you and I both know you're never going to play this game healthy, right? Especially it, at this point of the season, right? It's just not going to happen, and. Craig Reynolds is he I think he's of the mindset that he knows he's got to be out there to continue to earn the right to stay out there. Um, he's just not in that position yet where if he's got a, a something that's sore that he gets the, the 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 credibility to sit out a game and then come back healthy and play. He's just not yeah. there. So I like the fact that he was tough. He showed toughness. Uh, Jared Goff showed toughness. Um, and I'm curious because it kind of leads into the next thing I want to talk to you about. There's a unique situation right now. We had it a little bit last year because of the the COVID games that were either postponed, rescheduled. We've got we had two games on Monday night. Now, were they great football games? No. Mm-mm. But we've got two more games on Tuesday night. We're going to have Thursday night football. We've got games on Christmas Day which just happens to fall on Saturday. We've got games on Sunday. You like having NFL games? All week long, it kind of feels like NFL bowl season, doesn't it? You get you <laughs> it get just some random games yes. on a Tuesday and yeah. a couple on a Monday, uh-huh. and it's like it's like watching college football bowls, man. And it's, you got uh, divisional matchups, right? You got the yeah, uh, the, the Redskins playing the Eagles. You got the the Rams playing the Seahawks. 
uh, on Tuesday night. I mean, it's I, I love it. As and I want to ask you this: as a fan, you, you do. As a it, player, oh my god! Come on now, no, hold on. Just stay with me. I want two perspectives. All right. As a fan, I love it. As a player, now I don't want to go Tuesday to Saturday, right? But Tuesday to Sunday, it's no different than going Sunday to Thursday. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, well, this tough. late in the season, come on, man. I mean, you know how you know how. I mean, I've been reading some things out of uh, Philly this week, and oh my god, those guys are pissed, right? Because you're right, not because they got a couple extra days of rest. Well, no, but you're not. But I think you're looking as you, you prepare. To, to every week to play on Sunday, right? Right, and, and then your, 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 your schedule. schedule gets thrown off. You get a couple extra pre- – right, and then you have to realize, oh, we got to go from Tuesday to – I believe – I think they play Saturday this week too. No, I think the Eagles play on Sunday. Was it – well, I think one the of the Browns, teams, The Browns the play Browns Monday and then play Saturday. Saturday right, and that's uh, – I mean, uh, I'm just telling you as a player – you need, I you know need, what it's like. I know. Don't you give need me that. I know, but you need every day of rest possible at Just this point the of the game. season. Uh, dude, come on. You, you haven't been out of the game that long. You no, know. I haven't. Yeah, That's right. As, That's why I want to play the damn game. Uh, especially come as a on. veteran player. I mean, you need every day possible. That's Those why guys they, aren't practicing they, anyway. That's why they take out the Thursday game starting like week 15 because they know, all right, these guys are getting beat up. Uh, look, as a fan, I'm with you, man. I would love football every night of the week. You guys are soft. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've been out of the game I long remember, enough. When you know, I played, oh, we could have played back to back. Oh no, hell yeah! You, I forgot. Yeah, that's, that's where you guys. Right. It was a tougher era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bunch of badasses back in the. That's what right. you play in the seventies again? When did yeah, you play? Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. No, but I think. Look, I think I just going back to mem- you know, I'm three years ago, my last year. I mean, I wasn't feeling good after a game probably till Thursday. Oh, I, I, and it's just me, like, I know. and then you got to try to battle just to get ready for Sunday. I think it's difficult. It's tough on the players, and that's why I think they want to change. That's why I want to think they want to change a lot of these uh, COVID rules. Hey, if you're vaccinated, why are we testing if we don't have any symptoms, right? Why are we testing? If you don't have any symptoms, your uh, viral load Right, great, well, yes. great term. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, probably if somebody little... came up to you and asked you what your viral load is, what would you tell yeah, them? It just sounds like a very uh, personal, a very personal question, question, isn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, younger guys probably have yeah, a, a higher, higher load. Viral load. Yeah. <laughs> and married guys probably have a higher load, too. But uh, <laughs> well, look, I, I got five kids. As a fan, I mean, I'm excited to watching two games last night on a Monday night, watching two games again today on a Tuesday yeah. night. I mean, it's just like and it, you're getting big games. I mean, it's kind of a preface to playoff football. Yeah. And, and look, as a fan, I love it. As a player, no. I, I would absolutely despise it. And I think that's the reason why they want to change these protocols a little bit so they don't have to keep rescheduling these games yeah. because, look, it, if the, you're testing this week, the testing this week so far has been pretty similar to last week, right? Meaning – High volume of players, high yep. number of guys. Um, you're getting to a point now where, you know, you're you're a couple of weeks away from playoffs, and this is going to start really affecting teams that maybe beyond that bubble, maybe a 500 team, maybe a team that needs to make a run. Right? All you need is one little hiccup right here in the last three four weeks, and season could go a completely different way. So I think as a player, you're just so in tune to. Uh, routine and normalcy, and you're just a zombie when it comes to this is what I do Wednesday, this is what I do Thursday, this is what I do yeah. Friday. When that when when you throw a wrench in there, when you throw a wrinkle in there, 
it, it goes a little haywire sometimes. <laughs> it goes a little, it, yeah, it, it go, a little yeah. it go a little south. It can. Uh, and before we go, um, I do want to ask you, because we teased it on Monday show, because TJ joins uh, Stoney and I on Monday mornings from 9 to 10, uh, but the, the what you leave for Santa on Christmas Eve, I want to know when Santa comes down the chimney in the Lang household, what is waiting for him? You know, very traditional, John. I was thinking long and hard this morning if there's ever been any creativity. Uh, Santa at my house knows he's always getting the milk and cookies. Okay. And are they homemade cookies? That's about it. Yes, they are. They actually, that's a uh, Christmas Eve tradition at the Lang household. The children all uh, help and decorate cookies. Um, dad eats them. Dad, dad, dad eats a little bit of them. You know, before before you put leave them out. Santa, yeah, we yeah. always make a couple extra, and then. Uh, Are you a cookie dough guy? Oh, who isn't? <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> of course, of course. You know they make cookie dough now, just like without the ice cream, you could just go buy tubs of cookie dough. Oh, absolutely, that's dangerous. Yes. Um, yeah, yes. but just very traditional, John. Uh, okay. What is what is Santa like at your house? I know well, you're a. Uh, creative fella um I, I am a creative fella and when when santa leaves homes like the langs where he is overloaded on cookies and milk he usually leaves the jansen house for one of the last because when he comes down the chimney next to him now there's i'm not really sure what is his favorite flavor Mm. But we go with chicken wings wow. and a six-pack of beer. Whoa. Yes, just something to send him back to the North Pole with. It's a good um, thing he comes to your house last. Exactly. <laughs> and so it, we always put out the, 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 the hot and spicy wings, which he always eats all of those. So okay. I'm leaning towards uh, Santa's a spicy guy. He also gets a little Asian zing. Wow. Um, some teriyaki with a little spice in now, it. Now, are these homemade wings? These are not homemade wings. Okay. We always We always go to uh, Buffalo Wild yeah, Wings to get uh, uh, Santa's some chicken wings. Um, and then it's a six-pack of beer. Uh, and it, 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 again, not sure what flavor he likes, uh, but uh, when he leaves the house, it's usually with a six-pack of uh, the black blue. Um, and sometimes I'll even give him the light beer because I know he's going into the off season. Right, yeah. You know, yeah, I want to make sure we keep his figure low so that he could slim back down. Yeah, yeah that's uh, nice of you. Uh, but, hey, Merry Christmas to you, you and your well. family, and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of our listeners. We appreciate you uh, listening every single week. We will be back next week, hopefully, talking about a winning streak for the Detroit Lions. You're listening to Necessary Roughness with Lang and Jansen.